0: We're in a season, reclaimed, minor prophets. Are you digging this? Are you liking the minor prophets? Woo-wee! Well, today is going to sound very, very similar to times past, and that's because it is. Uh, Micah is going to be very, very similar to Hosea. He's going to be very, very similar to Joel. He's gonna, and and that, maybe, that's, maybe that's a lesson for us, right? Maybe it's, you don't always need to come here looking for a new word. Maybe you just need to do the word you heard several weeks ago. Maybe you don't need, maybe maybe God doesn't need to give us a new word today. Maybe he's already given us the word in Hosea. Maybe he's already given us the word in Joel. And now maybe he's giving us the word in Micah. And he's just asking you and he's asking me, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen this time? You know, it's like parenting. I am not saying I'm your parent. Okay, just trust, but it's like parenting, right? This is not new revelation. I look at my kids and I'm like, this is not new revelation here. This is not something we haven't talked about before. This isn't something we haven't worked on before. This isn't something you've had to write sentences about before. This isn't something you haven't spent 10 minutes in your room before. This isn't something that's gotten you an early bedtime before. This isn't something that hasn't gotten Prime taken away before. Like, this is not new. Maybe we need to receive that this morning. This is not new. There's nothing here that you haven't heard before. So maybe ask yourself the question, Lord, what are you speaking to me again? What do I need to hear again? Over and over and over and over. I mean, we have the rubric for it, right? Like, we have the structure. What are the minor prophets? It is the case for judgment, the call to repentance, and the covenant of restoration. Those three, over and over and over. And what is the message over and over and over? You have rebelled. There are consequences. Here's how you clean up your mess You have rebelled. There are consequences. Here's how you clean up your mess. All right, without further ado, let's jump in. Micah 1, 1 through 7. The Lord gave this message to Micah of Moresheth during the years when Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerned both Samaria and Jerusalem. Attention! Let all the people of the world listen. That's really good. He didn't say let Israel listen. He didn't say let all the Gentiles listen, he didn't say let all the Jews listen, he didn't say let Samaria listen, he didn't say let Judah listen, he said let the entire world hear. Let all the earth and everything in it hear. The sovereign Lord is making accusations against you. The Lord speaks from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? In Jerusalem. It's capital. He's saying, guys, this isn't on the fringes. (laughs) He's saying, guys, this isn't them out there. He's saying, it's right here. It's right here. Saying this is not the people who aren't in the temple worshiping. This is not people when we sit around and we place our own stereotypes and judgments on people who aren't here. He's saying it's, we're not talking about them. Where is the rebellion? It's sitting in these seats. He's saying it's right here in the center. It's in the capital. So I, the Lord, will make the city of city of Samaria a heap of ruins. Her streets will be plowed up for planting vineyards. I will roll the stones of her walls into the valley below, exposing her foundations. All her carved images will be smashed. All her sacred treasures will be burned. These things were bought with the money earned by her prostitution, and they will now be carried away to pay prostitutes elsewhere. Dang. Harsh. Right? You're running around with prostitutes' money, and guess what you're gonna become? The currency for another prostitute. That's what's gonna to happen to you, right? The context, really quick, for Micah is it was written right before the, the Assyrian invasion, okay? And right before that, Israel was enjoying, as you can imagine, and we've walked through this before, a significant time of peace and prosperity. There's peace in the land, everyone's prospering, everyone's making money, the economy is good, the land is peaceful, and during this time, they are rebelling over, and over. think back to the season we went through in Jeremiah, uh, think back to, it was uh, out of Babylon, or no, out of Egypt, and Welcome to Babylon. Those two seasons that we went through where it's just, it's peaceful, it's great, and the major prophets are coming and the major prophets are saying, this ain't going to last forever. You've got to turn things around. The minor prophets come, and they have essentially the same message in a more isolated area. Judah, Samaria, you guys got to figure this out. You are rebels. You are running around with prostitutes' money, and you will become the currency for the same. You have to stop this. And in their blessings, this is what happened in Micah. In the midst of their blessing and in the midst of their prosperity, they lost all connection with the Lord. They completely forgot him, right? So they're they're earning, they're high earners, everything's prospering, the land is peaceful, and they have lost complete connection with the Lord. They have received the blessing, forgot the blesser. They've got all these blessings piling up, and in the midst of accumulating blessing, they're forgetting the one who is blessing them, right? So that's why Micah comes, Micah 3.8, and he says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. There has been a separation between the spiritual and the social. I, uh, I, I, who's this keto thing's miserable? <laughs> keto? Anybody? Is there anyone who like actually likes keto? I mean, it's like. For me, I am carbitarian through and through. But Anna says my diet is keto and Oreos. That's... That's kind of how I function. I, I go for a while on keto, and then I have a massive relapse in about three rows and a package of Oreos, and then I'm like, okay, better do this again before I go do more blood work, right? I've had some health challenges with high blood sugar, and so I just hide it really well. I'm like three months out from blood work. I can smash a package of Oreos, and then I'll get back on the keto and do the thing. But I'll tell you, you know what's miserable on keto? Like the worst thing in the world, cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers are horrible on keto. We were at Five Guys the other day. I mean, best burgers on the planet. Don't don't text me. Yeah, you know you save it, save it, save it, save it. Uh, I mean, the bag of fries right? I mean, there's just, it's so full. It's like, I'm, I'm a big Five Guys fan. However, I got to Five Guys and I was like, dang it, I better mind my keto, right? And I asked him what the options were and he was like, oh, we can wrap it and we can do a lettuce bun. I'm like, okay, try it. It's horrible. <laughs> so bad. Like, I mean, picture this the lettuce is all wrapped around it and it's warm because the patties are warm and the grease from the burgers has made the lettuce like soggy and nasty and it's wet and watery and you like, you bite it and it crunches. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like the bun soaks that up and becomes glorious. The lettuce just like repels it. It's just, It's terrible, right? So I I get this, this goofy looking keto burger. I'm like, what is, take a bite, and I didn't even want it anymore. I did not even care for it anymore. The other day, Anna was like, I really want a cheeseburger. By the way, cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers, pizza, Oreos, how do you screw it up, right? Anna says, I really want cheeseburgers. The other day, I was like, I don't. Don't even sound good. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, keto, Keto has ruined it. I did not realize how much of an impact the bun makes until you take it away. All right, now I've kind of got to spiritualize this, right? Um, (laughs) I saw that going a whole lot better in my head, and now I just want to break keto. That's all I really want to do is go get a cheeseburger. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, bun, together, great, separated, no good for anybody. Nation of Israel. Oh, come on, give me something, right? (laughs) Here it is. You can have the spiritual and you can have the social. When those are combined, culture is transformed. When they are separated, everybody loses. When five guys gives you a lettuce bun, everyone loses, right? When they're separated, you lose. When when you separate the spiritual from the social, the poor lose because they're abused and taken advantage of. The rich lose because they experience the rebuke and, and pressure of God. The lost lose because nobody's reaching them because we're more concerned with ourselves. And the spiritual lose because they inherit the repercussions of the rebellious. When you separate the spiritual from the social, everybody loses. When you take the spiritual and you influence the social, everybody wins. Let's contextualize. When all you do is worship on Sunday morning and go back to work on Monday a totally different person living rebellious and sinful and doing everything you shouldn't be doing, nobody's winning. Your family's not winning, your kids aren't winning, the body of Christ isn't winning, your workplace isn't winning, the lost people you're trying to reach aren't winning, you aren't winning spiritually, when it's separated, nobody is winning, what am I deepest desires is to see you go from weekly meetings with God to daily meetings with God. And in those meetings, experience a transformation that takes you not just from a Sunday morning faith, but to a Monday morning faith, to a Tuesday afternoon faith, to a Wednesday night faith, to a Thursday in the break room faith, to a Friday with your friends faith, to a faith that begins to transform culture. Israel did the exact opposite. They said, we will worship in the temple's But we will live how we want in the marketplace. And God said, Not for long. God said, This problem is going to change. And here's how. Number one, case for judgment. So God comes to them with a judgment. Listen clearly, here's what he says Micah 2 1 through 3. What sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night, thinking up evil plans. You rise at dawn and hurry to carry them out simply because you have the power to do so. When you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want someone's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his family's inheritance. But this is what the Lord says, I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to put your neck out on the, out of the noose. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly, for it will be a terrible time. He comes back at them in chapter 3. I said, listen, you leaders of Israel. You are supposed to know right from wrong. What did we say a couple weeks ago? You should Yes! Supposed to know right from wrong. We're not talking about people who don't know Jesus and have no clue what they're doing. We're talking about us. It's saying you should know better. I should know better. We should know better. But you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. You skin my people alive and tear the flesh from their bones. Yes, you eat my people's flesh. Strip off their skin and break their bones. You chop them up like meat for the cooking pot. Then you beg the Lord for help in times of trouble. Oh, I don't need to push that button, right? That's not us, right? We do what we want, and then when we have problems, Jesus, help me. We live however we want, we show up to the temple, we worship, and then we leave, and then we live however we want to, Monday through Saturday, until we have a problem. And then it's like, hey, uh, can you help me? Can you, can you intervene here? Then you beg the Lord for help in times of trouble. <laughs> Question, do you really expect him to answer? Do you really think he's going to hear you? After all the evil you have done, he won't even Look at you. This is what the Lord says. You false prophets are leading my people astray. You promise peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. Now the night will close around you, cutting off all your visions. Darkness will cover you, putting an end to the predictions. The sun will set for your prophets and your day will come to an end. Here's what he's saying. The days of manipulation are over. Doesn't this sound familiar? Haven't we walked through this time and time and time again? That God is saying, it may be great right now, but those days are coming to an end. Everything may be prospering and everything may be wonderful. But just, I need you to know it's not always going to be that way. There was a uh, a documentary that was a book turned into a a documentary you can watch, um, whatever it's called, video, and It was about a a story that was called Choke. And in Choke, what it was, was a guy who traveled the world and he traveled everywhere to high class, like, fine dining restaurants, and he would fake choking on an item. And when he fake choked on an item, he would choke until someone from the restaurant staff, you know, they're trained to come in and try to write. And then he would turn around and threaten lawsuit against them. And like 90% of them, he would settle out of court. This guy was making hundreds of thousands of dollars threatening to sue all of these really, really, really high class restaurants. And, And so he was doing this for years and he was making tons and tons of money at it. And then all of a sudden the FBI, caught on because of some of the insurance claims that were being filed, and they were realizing it was the same name, and same person, and this investigation started. So they start this investigation, and in the midst of this investigation, they set up a sting. They, they travel, they tracked where he was going, and where he made a dinner reservation, and so they showed up there, and they staged all of these diners in the room, and they even staged the wait staff, and the wait staff was there, and this guy comes into the restaurant, he sits down, he orders a few things, and then he starts to choke. You, you want to know how they Caught him. This is great. This is how they caught him. They let him choke. They just let him. And they're they're all just waiting. Like okay. It's going to end soon. And fi- I mean, there was nothing he could do. He was just, he was so caught and so dumbfounded. That's how they caught him. They, they didn't do anything. They didn't have to. They just let his own choking and his own manipulation run its course until he manipulated himself. That's what God's saying to the children of Israel. You're manipulating everybody else, but you don't realize you're manipulating yourself. You're creating this this space that you can't get out of, and the only way out, here's what I love about God. God is so gracious, and God is so merciful. I tell people this all the time. People ask me, well, can a Christian do this? Can a Christian do this? What about this? I I said, God God will allow people to have whatever they want. That's how gracious he is. He's going to allow you to have whatever you want, If that is a blessed and fulfilled and satisfied soul that is prospering in him, he's gonna let you have that. If that is rebellion and manipulation and disaster, he's gonna let you have that because he's so merciful and so gracious, he doesn't force us into obedience. What is forced obedience? It's abuse. It's manipulation. God was like, no, I will force you to do it. No, 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 I'll give you what you want. But if if rebellion and manipulation and disobedience is what you want, you're going to reap the, the rewards of that. But if you come back, now listen, I know these minor prophets can run the risk. If you were to leave right now, you'd be like, gosh, I'm in big trouble. Like I'm rebellious, God's gonna put my head in the noose and I won't be able to pull it out. He's gonna make me the currency for prostitutes. Like He's gonna destroy me, right? No. Here's where the turn happens, and it happens in every minor prophet book. And this is what I love about our God. He is so just, but He's so gracious and He's so merciful. Listen as He rolls into the call to repentance. Micah six one through eight. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Really cool narrative here in in Micah 6, by the way. So he starts out by saying, make your case. Just state your case to me. Afterwards, he reminds them of everything that he's done for them. And then at the end, he gives them the answer. So here it is. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. Let the mountains and hills be called to witness your complaints. And now, O mountains, Listen to the complaints. Did you see? He just set up a courtroom with all of creation bearing witness. He said, listen, here it is. You can state your case against me. We've got the mountains here. We've got the seas here bearing witness. Let's hear what you got. The courtroom is set. Go ahead and testify. He has a case against his people. He will bring charges against Israel. Verse 3, oh my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. Interesting. What have I done? You're saying, my people, what have I done to make you so bored of me? What have I done to make you tired of me? What have I done to make you want to do something else? Answer me. Then listen, verse 4. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead and remember your journey from Macasha Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. Isn't the Henry saying, look, I did everything I possibly could to teach you my faithfulness everything. I did everything in my power to reveal to you how faithful I am. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. This is so good. Okay, so God says, here's our courtroom. Make your case. Do you not remember all of the things I did for you? He lists all of them, and then he says, do you think I want you to give me a bunch of offerings? Do you think I want you to put more in the plate? Do I think you, I I want yearling calves? Is that what you think I want? No. Here's what I want from you. Micah 6, verse 8. No, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Great verse to memorize. Do good, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. How do I dig my way out of this pit? How do I find my way out of the spiraling circle that I'm in from my rebellion and my manipulation. What on earth do I do? Do good, love mercy, be humble. That should be a t-shirt, right? I'm sure it is. Check Etsy. Do good, love mercy, walk humbly. My son, um, yesterday we were having popsicles and water balloons day. It's the only way to beat the heat. If you're outside, you, ha- you have to get wet somehow, whether it's a hose, a pool, or water balloons, or whatever. So we went, we got popsicles, and uh, you know, when I, <laughs> there was a time when I was growing up where you, you had to spend like 35 minutes to get seven water balloons filled you know what I'm talking about? Like, and you, the kitchen sink wouldn't work, so you had to go to the bathroom sink, and it's got that little bitty. So you, like, you get it on there, and you turn the water on, and sometimes they fall off, sometimes they break, and sometimes you get it tied, and it'd be like 35 minutes, and you'd have four water balloons. You treasured your ammo at that point, right? You were not reckless. It was headshots or no shots. It's like, it took me 30 minutes to fill these up. I'm getting my money's worth, right? Or my time's worth. Now, anyone seen these bunch of balloons? Game changer. Game changer. Fill 100 balloons self-sealing in 60 seconds. You, without kids, you just don't know the grind. Like, (laughs) this is different. This is a new age, This this is something new, right? So, me, huge fan of bunch of balloons. Big fan of Bunch of Balloons. 60 seconds, 100 balloons, we're done here. You guys go have fun. So we went to the store, and at the store, they were half off, which parents, again, if you know, Bunch of Balloons are also expensive. It's usually 10 bucks for a package of 100. These were half off at five. I was like, it's our time, Canaan. Go in. Go in. This is our time. God's blessed us. They're on sale fill the basket. We're going to, we'll figure it out later. Right? So he's just throwing packages and packages. In and he's like, dad, how many can we get? And I looked at him and I said, bud, are you going to be, a, here's what I want you to do. Right now we have five. I'll do 10, maybe 15, but here's, here's the trade-off. You're going to be a good boy the rest of the day. A really, really good boy. I want you to listen. I want you to obey. I, right? Is what we do as parents. It's just 90% manipulation, isn't it? It's like deals, brokering deals the whole time. Oh, you want more bunch of balloons? Okay, here's what we got. Good boy, yes sir, yes ma'am, respectful. You're gonna do exactly what dad says. The rest of the day, you're not gonna argue with mom and dad, you're not gonna fight with your brother and sister over who gets to throw the last balloon or anything like that. You're gonna be a good boy, and I'll get five more packets. Are you good with that? You know what he said to me? <laughs> he said, dad, can I just buy him? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Dump them all out. We're out of here. Nobody's getting a bunch of blue. Li- I'm like, what? No, I don't want your money. I just want you to be obedient. Like, I'll buy you don't have to buy them. He's like literally looks at me and he's like, well, Dad, can I just buy him? No. No, you can't. Like, that's not even an option. I don't care how much money you've saved up from taking the trash out every week. We're not doing that. All I want you to do is be obedient. That's literally Micah 6, 1 through 8. God is saying, I I don't want your calves. I don't want your offerings. I don't want any of that. All I want you to do is do good, love mercy, and be humble. Like, that's it. You don't have to pay me for it. You don't need to buy the balloons. I don't need the money from you. I just need your heart, a heart for obedience, a heart for doing good, a heart for mercy, a heart for humility. And then, listen, this is uh, the redeeming grace of every minor prophet. Remember back to how intensely we started? I'm gonna melt the mountains like wax and they're gonna run down into the rivers. I'm gonna put your head in a noose, you won't be able to pull it out. You're gonna be destroyed, literally destroyed. You are nothing but the currency for prostitution. Like, remember where we started? Now listen to where we end. This is the beauty of these books. Micah seven fourteen through 20. Oh Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession. Though they live alone in a thicket on the heights of Mount Carmel, let them graze in the fertile pastures of Bashan and Gilead as they did long ago. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you, like those I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Remember, one chapter before, he used that as an indictment against them. Do you not remember? Do you not remember? I brought you out of slavery? I sent you Moses? Do you not even recall that? Now, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And from verse 16. All the nations of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in fear and terror at his presence. Where is another god like you who pardons the guilty of the remnant, pardons the guilt of the remnant? overlooks the sins of his special people. You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing this is it, circle it, unfailing love. You will not let them sit in their misery forever because you delight in showing your unfailing love. Once again, how beautiful those words must have sounded to the children of Israel. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and there it is again unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. That word unfailing love is the Hebrew word has said, and it is the word used most often to describe God's character towards us, and it communicates an intimate love that cannot be broken by trials and problems. Isn't that amazing to think about? That he comes back to them and he says, "It's the Greek equivalent is agape. He's saying, I am going to give you back my love that never fails, that is so intimate that not even your rebellion, not even your manipulation, not even the things that you do and the problems you create can separate me from that love. That is the love. We start with judgment, we end with restoration. We start with justice and we end with grace. We start with a heavy hand and then we start, we end with the compassionate God saying, it is my unfailing love that can't help but bring you back. That can't help but pour out to you in spite of everything you deserve, this love will cover it. I will trample your sins underfoot. I will stop the, the judgment that I have for you. So for me, um, I don't know what's happened to me. I think I'm getting old. When you get old, two things happen. One, you get <laughs> older people are laughing at me. They're like, come on, dude, really? Um, I feel it, four kids, home all summer, I'm there. Uh, number one, you, you, get, you cry a lot more. Why is that? What happens? I, I used to be an oak, I was solid. Nothing could break me. Now I watch a movie and I cry. Like sometimes I put my kids to bed and I'm like, <laughs> love them so much. You know? <laughs> like, what has happened to me? One, you cry a lot. Two, you get queasy. Easy. I don't know how, maybe, maybe not you, but me. I don't know what's happened to me. I used to be able to see blood and broken bones and everything else. Now I, I cannot take it. Like I cannot handle it. If I see blood, I'm, oh, oh, I'm going to faint. Take me out of here. I'm going to faint. I used to give blood and sit there like this. Now I'm like, oh, just do it. Don't tell me when you do it. Just it. I, I can't handle it. It, it. It's terrifying to me. It, something has happened to me. I don't know what it is. On Instagram, when you scroll through reels and there's one where some skater goes off the side of the building, misses his board, and breaks both his legs on a bar, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> I can't handle it. Something's wrong with me, right? I cry more, and I'm queasy, getting old, right? But then there's something that happens when it's my family. Like, we just, no, that one's too graphic and detailed. Uh, Friday, I get a phone call. I was going to talk about having a baby. (laughs) Spare you. Spare you. On Friday, we got a call from our babysitter. Kids were at home, and, and Zadok was reaching over the side of the pool, and Zion grabbed She, like, pulled his arms down or something, uh, thought he broke his arm. And right, right when it happened, we get a call from the babysitter. We go rushing home. And when we get home, walked in, and, and I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Give him to me. And I, and I get a hold of him. And he's like, he wants mommy, you know, don't blame him there. But he's with mom. And I'm like, I'm looking at the arm. And, I, and for some reason, I, I, it didn't even dawn on me that it, I, I could be stepping into a situation that would make me uncomfortable or feel bad. Because there was a difference when it was my child versus somebody else's kid. Look, if, if your kid breaks something, I'm sorry, I'm texting you, right? <laughs> from a distance. I'm like, I don't want to see it. I'll just text mom and dad. But when it's my kid, I'm coming into the room and I give him to me. Let me see it. Let me make sure he's okay. Do you want me to take him to the hospital? Do you want to take him to the hospital? I was, because there's a different love for me that can handle my child's brokenness, but the brokenness of somebody else, I, I can't handle as much. If, if we talk about chesed, and it's probably not a great illustration, but the visual that you get from the love that God gives to us, that's an unfailing love, is a a love that can handle your brokenness it's a love that can handle your problems It's a love that can handle your manipulation. It's a love that can handle your sin. And it can handle it in a way that it welcomes you and it takes you back in and it cares for you in spite of it. That's where he ends. The prophet Micah ends by saying, God's unfailing love, the love that can handle your brokenness, the love that can handle your hurt, the love that can handle your rebellion, the love that can handle the mess that you've made for yourself. That love is the compassionate love of God that will rescue you, that will restore you from the distance you have found yourself in?